Hey guys, welcome back to Caffeine and Crime. Today is episode seven of season one, and I'm going to be discussing the case of Madeline McCann. Now, before I jump into this, um, for one, I want to apologize because my voice might sound really strange in this episode, and I might sound winded in some parts. I may be losing my voice before this episode is over, and I apologize. I'm pretty sure I'm getting sick. So that's always fun. But I thought if I'm getting sick, I probably need to hurry up and get this one um, recorded and filmed for you guys before I sound even worse. I have been doing so much like detailed research on this case the last three days. So since it's fresh in my mind, I want to discuss it. And this is a case that I have heard about for years. And it's another one for this season that has always stuck out to me. Um, for a couple different reasons that I'll talk about in a second, but I did want to put the disclaimer out that there is so much to this case because it is an older case. I mean, it's not like that that old, but um, this happened in 2007. So since then, especially with how much technology is out there now and how much has went into this case, um, there may be something that I leave out or that I forget and I do apologize, don't come at me for it. <laughs> um, but honestly, that's why I have my blog, so that I can put stuff there if I need to. You can check it out. Um, I always have it right down below in the description um, of all of these episodes. But every time one of these episodes go up, that same day my blog goes up, some days I'm a little delayed and I try to get it up as soon as possible. But if there's certain things that I'm like, oh, I forgot I needed to add this to it or this and this, because if I do forget something or I don't mention something, please go to my Instagram and message me and I will add it to the blog too, um, just so that all the facts are there so we can discuss it. And then you can jump over to my Instagram at Caffeine Crime Podcast so we can discuss it underneath the episode post. So this case stuck out to me so much. I mean, in 2007, I was pretty young, honestly, but um, I was still old enough to know things. And I remember seeing Maddie's picture. And what really stuck out to me with this case was that she was the same age as one of my little sisters and one of my little brothers. So my mom and dad are divorced. Um, I have me and my older sister, but whenever they divorced, I was the baby for six years until they both remarried and had um, the same year in 2003. My dad had a son and my mom had a, a daughter, another daughter. So um, they are actually the same age that Maddie was. And so that is the biggest reason this case has always stuck out to me because when I think about the case with Maddie, I always think about a lot of the time, my little sister, because my little sister had, like, you know, blonde hair, and I, I don't know, just, I don't know, it's just so, it just stuck, it stuck out to me, and I always think, you know, she would be her age right now, like, it's just crazy to me. So, Maddie was born in 2003, and then in 2005, she had twin siblings, a brother and a sister. Her parents, Kate and Jerry, were both doctors, and they are from the UK. They had a really hard time conceiving, and Kate McCann has come out with a book about this whole case and about their life and stuff, and she said in her book that they had a really hard time conceiving. Um, Maddie in the first place. So they were very uh, fortunate and just so 
blessed to have Maddie and then having the twins two years later. Although they are from the UK, this case takes place in Portugal, as you probably are aware of already. Um, they were on their vacation on holiday, and it was going to be a family vacation, although they wanted to still do the things that they like to do, but bring the kids to kind of make it a family thing. On this trip, it wasn't just them. They actually brought seven of their friends and coworkers. From what I gathered from it, they all had kids. They were all staying in the same resort. Um, they are now kind of like talked about as like the Tapas Nine, which I'll get to. Um, so yeah, they were all coming together as a group for their holiday. And they arrived April 28, 2007 at the Waterside Resort. So at this resort, they all had rooms close to each other and they were on the ground floor. So this is kind of like, from what I gather, it's like a condo apartment vibes. So it's like when you walk in, you have like your own space. For instance, the McCann's, they had a place that had two bedrooms, and it was just kind of like their own like little living space. So they had their bedroom, and then they had the bedroom that they would put Madeline and her two siblings in to sleep. Right next to this resort, there was this place called the Ocean Club, and the Ocean Club offered a daycare, um, kid services throughout the day, and um, other activities for like the adults. And that's where they spent most of their time at. During the days, they would either drop their kids off at the daycare or at the kid activities while they attended tennis lessons and that sort of ordeal. And then they would pick their kids up in the afternoon and take them to the pool at their resort. And there is pictures of them at the pool. But when evening came, they would, you know, feed their kids put their kids to bed at their, you know, bedtime, and they would have a reservation at a kind of like a bar and grill type ordeal where they would go as a group of adults, have dinner and have drinks and that type of ordeal. It was kind of like their adult time while their kids slept. But with that being said, they're at this grill and bar, which was called the Tapas Bar, which is why they're called the Tapas Nine. So it was, you know, the McCann's, and then it was other couples. And one of the couples brought their grandma, or like their mom, so like the kids' grandma. And they all had their kids that were asleep at the resort, and they would walk over to the uh, Tapas Bar to eat dinner every night with drinks. They didn't leave a nanny or anybody with their kids, any sort whatsoever. So their kids are sleeping at the resort by themselves in their rooms while the parents are over across the pool at this tapas bar. With that being said, they thought every hour a parent of each family would get up and go check on the kids. But everyone was in charge of their own kids. So one from each couple would get up every hour and go. So even though there was plenty of them to one by one go, they all wanted to check on their own kids. So when an hour would hit, Jerry would get up with, you know, the other dads and they would all go check on their own kids or, you know, that type of ordeal. And then when Kate got up, the other moms would get up and go check. So they all took care of their own kids. So on 
Thursday, May 3rd, after they had been there for a few days, um, Maddie asked her parents at breakfast why they didn't come for her and her brother when they were crying that night. Um, they kind of looked at each other and were like, oh my gosh, they woke up, you know, and they just kind of calmed her down and, you know, kind of went on with their day, just kind of put it aside and thought, you know, we'll have to resolve this. We're going to have to be more careful. Um, that night, they did their routine like usual, and they went to their tennis lessons while the kids went to their activities. Then they hung out at the pool, and there is a picture of Madeline at the pool, which is unfortunately the last picture they ever got of Madeline. When the evening came, they went back to the tapas bar after putting their kids to bed. But because they wanted to take caution to this, they decided to go ahead and start going every 20 to 30 minutes to check on their kids. By 8 p.m. that evening, they put the kids to bed, and by 8.30, they were already going and almost to the tapas bar. They would leave the back sliding glass door unlocked for easy access of getting in on these, you know, so close 20-30 minute checks, they thought. But like I said, this is like an apartment or condo, so you have this huge building with all like these different levels of like apartment condo styles. And then you have behind it, you have the pool. And then on the other side of the pool, you have the tapas bar. But the McCann's room or whole like condo was on the front of the building. So there was no way that they could have seen even their place from the tapas bar. And to get to there, they had to walk from the tapas bar around the pool, down the street, and then turn in front of the condo to get in and access their condo. But still, at the beginning of their trip, they actually went to the main person that was running the tapas bar and requested a table over in the corner, the closest to where their trip would be shorter to go to the condo. They later stated that it was because they request that table so that they could see their room, but there was no way that they would be able to see their room from where their room was located and where the tapas bar was located. But they requested it, they requested this table, and they literally told this person, we want this table because we want to be close because we left our kids alone in our rooms sleeping. The woman wrote it down on a note and she said, yes, I will see what I can do. They did get the table every night and that note was placed in the booking to let everybody know who worked there that these people requested this table. So the parents claimed that it was like dining in your garden, like your backyard and your kids are asleep in your house, which I'm just gonna stop here for a minute because I'm just like, I, I like to tell these podcasts like story time to where I can get the story out and then I can discuss my feelings on it. But like, I just can't like this just blows my mind. It always has. I don't understand it. Like I understand, like I have a garden, you know, during the spring and summertime. And sometimes my child will be in my house playing on, you know, his game or, you know, playing with some toys or something like that. And I'll tell him, or, you know, I'll tell them like, mommy's going to run out to the garden real quick and, you know, pick today's findings and then I'll be back in. But it's like, if my kids were, you know, my front door's locked. If my kids were to come out the door that I went out, I would see them. I would see somebody go into my house if they were going to try to get into my house that way. Like, 
And it's literally like I'm going out there for five minutes to pick some tomatoes and get back inside. I, I just can't do that. Even in the summertime when we're out there grilling and stuff like that, if the kids want to go inside, there's one parent inside with them while the other one's outside. Like, I just don't understand it. But to think about taking my kids on vacation in a condo and being like, okay, we're going to tuck them in to go to bed. And then we're going to go way down to the beach this evening and, you know, walk on the beach at night while our kids are up there sleeping. I can't even do that. Like if one of our moms were with us or one of our grandmas or, you know, we had a babysitter or something like that. I just like, I, I don't understand it. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is in those circumstances, if you had a babysitter, a nanny, a grandma, something like that, I would understand it completely. But it's the fact that you, oh my God, you do not just leave your kids. Like, I, I don't understand it. I will never be able to understand how they thought that that was okay. Um, they said the trip from the bar to the apartment was like five to seven minutes, which to me is still like, that's too much. Like, you should not be that far away from your kids. Um, and like I said, the apartment, theirs was on the front. So there's no way that they could have seen it from the bar. And they had to literally walk up a street to get to where their kids were at. And they left a sliding door. Like, they left their back door unlocked. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this five to seven minute trip is what they would take every 20, 30 minutes, they say. And so at 8.55, another parent that was with them, Matthew, he got up to go check on his kids. At 9.05, Jerry got up to go check on Madeline and the twins. He goes through the glass door and he says that he thought the bedroom door that they left them in was a little bit wider than what they left it. He said that he went in and everything looked peaceful. All of them were sleeping. He said that he even had one of those um, gushy parent moments when you look down at your child and just think how beautiful they are. And he was looking down at Maddie when he was thinking that. So he's seen that Maddie was laying there. On his way back to the tapas bar, he bumps into a friend that he had met while they were there on vacation um, at the resort, and they just kind of started talking. And at this time, it was 9-10. Another parent, Jane, goes to check on her kids, and she says that she passed them while they were talking on the road and went in to check on her kids. She said that she saw them, but neither one of them remembers seeing her. By 9.30, Jerry was back at the table, and it was Kate's turn to go check on the kids. Um, but again, Matthew, the other father, was getting up to check on his, so he said, hey, you want me to just go check on them? I can make sure they're still sleeping and stuff and while I'm checking on mine. And, you know, she said, yeah, sure, that would be great. And so he went to, you know, he went to the apartment. He said that he went in and looked and they were fine, everything. But then he later said that he just kind of listened in and didn't hear anything. So he just assumed they were all still quiet, like his kids. So he tells them. But then at 10, Kate goes to do her check. She goes in and sees that the door is wider than they left it. And she realizes that even though that, I mean, that could have been Matthew. So I don't know why she thinks something's different with the door. If he did, you know, push the door open just to at least listen. But she said she went to reach for the door knob. And when she did, the door slammed closed from a gush of wind from the bedroom. So she hurried up and opened the door. And when she did, she realized that the window straight across was open. 
and she hurried up and looked over at her kids and the twins were laying there and Maddie was gone. So what does she do? She leaves the apartment, mind you, not carrying her twins that were still in that room. She runs all the way to the bar and she's yelling, Maddie is gone, they have taken her. So she automatically says that somebody has taken her daughter. So at this point, I'm gonna be a little all over the place because all the notes I took were just kind of like, oh, I need to add that and I need to add that and I need to add that. So this might be a little all over the place, but by the time police got there, the parents had told them that someone had came in the window, that it was tampered with, they took Maddie out through it. But the thing is, They'd even said to, um, I guess, the people and friends and family that were around them that the window was tampered with, it was broken, they got in that way, they got out that way, but the window was not tampered with, it was not broken, and it was actually closed when the police got there and were taking their pictures. And when they asked, Jerry had told them that um, while they were on their way, he was messing with the window to see if he could get it to... Um, opened from the in from the outside. I'll touch more on that in a little bit as well, but they did test for fingerprints on that window and the only fingerprints they got were Kate's, not Jerry's, and nobody else's. And they also never mentioned that they think somebody came through the sliding glass door whatsoever. Like the sliding glass door they left unlocked, that's like, no, nobody came through that way. Kate and Jerry told everyone that the Portugal police did a terrible job and stuck to their story that somebody came through the window, took their daughter, and left that way. And no other evidence that the Portugal police could come up with was good enough for them. They did not agree to anything but the story that they thought happened, which was just odd. It just really is odd. But they were very infuriated because... Somehow there was a leak on the file, the police report file. So it was like their whole case was leaked and everybody got to see all the evidence that the police got, like that their story didn't match up, that there was a sliding glass door unlocked, that they were leaving their kids there by themselves. All of it leaked. So of course these parents were infuriated because now it made them look bad. And honestly, the file did have all the proof that their story just didn't match up completely. Although the police didn't recover evidence from the apartment very fast, and the evidence that the Portugal police did have wasn't a lot. They did not recover a lot in the beginning because when they first got there, their first initial reaction was, we have to find this little girl. So what they did was they mainly focused on the search and rescue of Madeline. They didn't really care about what was going on in the apartment, they thought, this little girl's out here somewhere and we have to find her. Um, the hours ticked by and time was getting very crucial in finding her alive and unharmed. They had search and rescue teams, helicopters, boats. They even brought in K-9 dogs and went door, They, I mean, they were going door to door in the neighborhoods and like going into people's houses and looking for Madeline. They set up posts and streets and stopped every single car looking for Madeline. Over 700 people were interviewed in just the first couple days. Over 100 officers worked night and day on the case. One of the people that were interviewed was the woman who was staying in the condo right above the McCann's. And what she said in her interview was that a couple nights before Maddie disappeared, 
She heard a little girl crying for hours that night. She said, Maddie was crying and yelling for her daddy from 10 to 11.45 until she heard them come through their door. But the parents claimed that they went at least every hour. Maybe they weren't going as often as they said they were. At this time, their friend Jane, who went and checked on her kids while Jerry was on the street talking to his friend, had some details about that night that she was really afraid to tell them, but she finally couldn't hold it in anymore and she had to tell them what she had saw. She said that that night while she was walking up the road and she passed the men talking, she said that she walked on the same side of the road as what they were on. But later when those two men, Jerry and the other man were interviewed, they said that they were on the other side of the road. So her story doesn't really um, match up with a lot of reports anyways, but she said that when she got to the end of that road before she turned to like go into their condo, she said that she seen a man walking by with his arms out carrying like cradling a little girl in pink pajamas. Madeline was wearing pink pajamas that night. She made a big fuss about it once she finally admitted to it and she said that he looked like a local, like he didn't dress well. He didn't look like a tourist. But come to find out, he was just another tourist that was picking up his daughter from the night daycare that this place offered. Like this place literally offered a night daycare. This father was actually doing the correct thing and taking his daughter to a daycare while he went out. Jane was actually in her apartment when she heard Kate freak out. And by the time Kate and her friends and husband were back in the room with the twins that they left or that she left, Jane was like, you know, what's going on? And they said, or Madeline's gone. They took her. And she said that she felt so bad, but she could not tell Kate at first. But of course, like I said, she finally did. The police told him to not tell the press. They said, if you get this leaked, that there is a person out there with your daughter, they may try to kill her and, you know, toss her somewhere so that they are not caught. So they said, stay hush-hush about it so we can try to locate her first since this is just the very beginning of the search. But within 10 minutes of Maddie missing, the McCann's literally contacted the press. The police also told them not to tell the press about Maddie's eye. Maddie had a rare spot on her eye that looked like a slit through her iris. It was a feature that really stuck out on Maddie and they said if they realized that she has a feature that anybody could point out and be like, that's the girl, again, they might kill her and hide her so that they're not caught with her. Again, they leaked it to the press. They put up photos of her with this spot on her eye. They did not hold anything back. So they did bring in two canine dogs um, that were highly trained and brought over from the UK. So these weren't from Portugal. They were actually from the UK where the McCann family was from. So these dogs were um, Eddie and Keila. So Eddie was a cadaver dog, which meant this dog was drawn to um, sense of like a decomposed body, um, death, and could alert them if 
they smelled death or that a dead body was had been present there at some time. The other dog, Keela, was trained to smell the scent of blood. Even if you wash the surface, if there was blood there at one time, she would be able to find it. So the cadaver dog alerted in an area in Kate and Jerry's room. This wasn't the room that Maddie happened to be sleeping. They alerted to Maddie's stuffed toy cat, Cuddle Cat, that you can see um, Kate holding in all of her media interviews. She was always holding this little Cuddle Cat. Um, and was odd with Cuddle Cat was the fact that Kate would hold it at all the media things and smell it, and she just said it smelled like Maddie, which sounds normal. Um, but when they told her about the canine dogs coming over, for some reason, Cuddle Cat was washed. She said that Cuddle Cat was dirty and smelled like sunblock, so it needed to be washed. But Eddie still smelled a dead body on Cuddle Cat. And like most people have stated in any of these type of podcasts or videos is that that was their kid. No way in hell would they have washed their kid's toy that that was m maybe the last thing that their kid had touched. Um, my boys, um, one of them, he's had a, the first time we went to Florida with him. We took him to Florida. We have family in Florida. The first time we took him, we took him to a um, Gulf Arium. We just had the one at the time and he was one years old and he picked out this crocodile and we named him TikTok Croc. And to this day, he is six now. He's going to be seven in 2020. Oh my God. It's so sad to think, but he's going to be seven this year and he is still, you will still find TikTok, you know, squished somewhere in his bed with him. And then my other son, he's kind of bounced back and forth to stuffed animals. Um, he has... When he was a baby, he always had a fox with him, and he still does sometimes, but now he loves Dumbo. So he actually has a stuffed elephant that he calls Dumbo, and he's always hugging it and kissing it. And I'm like, when a case like this with a kid and like their little stuffed animal, it just sticks out to me because of how close my kids are with their stuffed animals. But also, um, I still always think of my little sister because when she was that age, she had like these little stuffed cats that she always would hold and just hug and it's oh, it's so sad but yeah the, i mean it was dirty and it smelled of sunscreen so she washed it is what she had said um i don't understand why she would be smelling it and saying it smelled like maddie after she washed it though but again the dog still smelled death on it and um the cadaver dog also alerted them behind the couch and the living room space at that condo. Um, they also alerted to Maddie's shirt, to Kate's pants, and a shirt that Kate had worn too. Keela um, also alerted to blood behind the couch. Days later, um, both dogs alerted to the McCann's rental car that they had rented 25 days after Maddie had went missing. So what I was saying about this case kind of going back and forth was the fact that we are literally days later. They stayed in Portugal. They had to rent a car. And so they didn't bring out these dogs for a while. They had to have these dogs sent from the UK. And once they got there, it had already been like a few weeks out. So they had time. I mean, there was 
time for people to come in and clean and for Cuddle Cat to be washed and clothes to be washed. But these dogs still could smell all of these and the police knew that they would be able to. But it was very strange that this these dogs, the you know, cadaver dog alerted to the rental car that they didn't even have until 25 days after Maddie had went missing. And because they thought, you know, this is strange, they actually lined up cars, rental cars from the other families. And still, this dog only alerted to the McCann's car. They even took these dogs into the other condos next to the McCann's, and the dog still only alerted in the McCann's apartment condo complex. But Kate and Jerry both stated that these dogs were unreliable. Jerry and Kate both would get snappy in their interviews and came off as very arrogant when anyone was trying to get their story out. These people wouldn't be like, and a lot of them wouldn't be like hateful to them or anything like that or be like trying to blame them for this. It didn't matter how you came off to these two. They were just kind of arrogant in every interview. They wanted to come off as good parents, but they always were just so rude. So Clarence Mitchell worked for the McCanns even years after Maddie's disappearance. When things look bad on people, Clarence comes in and he coaches them on what to say to the press. And that is what he did for them. A man in the UK that had tons of money and was really filling for this family actually paid Clarence to come to them and help them out. But when things went south and people started speculating that the McCanns had something to do with Maddie's disappearance, this guy was like, no, I'm not going to pay for this anymore. And then the McCanns started dipping into the Madeline McCain fund, which was set up to help pay for people who were actually searching for their daughter and, and for ways to find more evidence about their daughter. But they used this fund to not only pay for Clarence to make them look better for the press, um, they also used a chunk of it to pay off their mortgage and a bunch of legal bills because of all these authors that were writing books on the case and pointing fingers at them. Um, they wanted to make sure that they sued as many of those as they could. The McCann sued an author who wrote a book claiming that Maddie's death was in the apartment and it was accidental, but they were covering it up. They won, but later it backfired because of so much evidence that came out that he turned around and sued them. And now I'm not sure if he ever won that whole battle. I need to look it up and I will probably add it into my blog for you guys. But yeah, I thought that that was really crazy that like he got sued and yet he somehow was able to turn back around and sue them because of all the evidence that was there or all the knowledge that everybody knew about this case. After the canine dogs, um, they were both brought in for questioning. Kate was asked 49 questions and she didn't answer 48 of them. She literally only answered one question. A lot of people want to say that it was because her lawyer told her not to. I get it. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're trying to make yourself look good and like you're not up to something or that you didn't do something, you would maybe try to answer some more of those questions. But because of that, they were pretty much marked as people of interest with this. So I'm going to go off subject for just a minute. There was a man named Sir Clement Freud 
I don't even want to talk too much on him because I feel like it's just a stupid part of the story. Um, but I have seen a lot of people mention him because there was a lot of people saying that he was somebody who could have been a person of interest in this because um, he was a chef and then a member of parliament. Um, he died in 2016 and when he did die, women came forward and said that he was a rapist. One woman has made it very known that his house was only a few hundred yards from the Ocean Club where they were staying. Um, strangely enough, it was never looked into and uh, Clement actually invited Kate and Jerry to his villa two months after Maddie disappeared. He told him to come over and that he felt bad about how the media was treating them. He never invited people over, so it was very strange to the locals because they'd never even really seen him out of his house. Um, he had them over a couple times and like would joke to them about the media and how the police were handling things. And they said they would just laugh about it and have dinner and drinks. And she wrote it all down in her book, apparently, which I can't even bring myself to read. Um, because during that time, their daughter was still missing. They had no idea what was going on to their daughter. I mean, Kate wrote really disturbing things in her book. And I mean, people have talked about him, but it, it's it's awful stuff. I mean, you can read the book if you want. I honestly don't want to even support her in that way of buying a book like that. But it just talks about how um, she mentioned she talks to her husband about what they think is going on with their daughter and talks about how she's probably raped. And I mean, that sounds disturbing, but she goes as far as like talking about parts and how she thinks they're being destroyed and oh my gosh, it's just so awful to even think about, let alone like write publicly in a book about, about your daughter. And while that could have been going on, you were off with Sir Clement eating with him and feasting and joking and laughing. It just blows, it blows my mind. I can't. It also doesn't help that days after Maddie was missing, Jerry and Kate just kind of gave up. They said they were so exhausted they couldn't just keep looking. Yet, Kate was spotted on a jog. And Jerry was spotted playing tennis. I, oh my god, I can't, I cannot wrap my head around it. I just can't. These two were doctors. I don't, I don't understand why they wouldn't bring a nanny with them when they were doing things. They had money. Why couldn't they put their kids in the daycare that was offered there? They took them to that daycare and to the activities every day. Why not at night, too? That's kind of where the story ends. There's just not much more to go off of. There's, I mean, as you guys, a lot of you know, Madeline was never found. She still has never been found. There's people who think, oh, this is her. And there's been so many sightings of her that people think is Madeline. And tons of them are ruled out, but it's like we will never know what really happened to Madeline. There is a lot more information that I haven't went over yet that I would like to about kind of like what could have happened. So um, like I said, they explained to the tapas bar woman that they needed that certain table. The waitress or the woman that was running it put that note in there. And later they did find out that the note literally said they need this table reserved at 8.30 every single night because they're leaving their kids alone in their apartment sleeping. So that could have been like the easiest thing for an offender or like a predator to 
see and be like, okay, you know, so it could have been maybe somebody that worked there. It could have been a friend of somebody that worked there and they knew that these people are going to be here every single night. So it's like, why not watch them, you know, and see how their routine is and, you know, just slip in when, you know, the coast is clear. I mean, they were there for like five days before this happened. So somebody could have easily watched them this whole time and figured out their pattern. And I mean, that could have been anybody. Somebody at the resort could have realized, I mean, the lady up above knew that they were leaving her by herself. She heard her crying. So they could have easily been somebody at the resort that watched their patterns and seen that they were in and out leaving kids there. So that's what a lot of people think happened. Um, but there's also different theories as well. Another person of interest was the man who was in charge of translating um, from the police in Portugal to Kate and Jerry. His name was Robert Murat, and you'll actually see him in, like, documentaries. There's a whole documentary that's, like, I don't know. I can't remember how many episodes it is, but it's on Netflix. Um, and he's in it, and he talks a lot, like, he how infuriated he was that he became a suspect when he was really just trying to help out. Um, he lived right down the street from Oceanside Resort, so he was very close. A woman who was anonymous when she called the police, um, she called him a tip that it was him. She said that he lived right down the street from there. He lived with his mom at the time because he was going through a divorce from his wife from the UK. And um, people thought he was suspicious because he never wanted to be on camera. But I mean, it was just like a privacy thing. And I don't know. Um, but he was, a, he was taken in. And when he was brought in, the police had Jane see him. And when she saw him, she said... That was the man that was carrying the little girl that I seen. This was before they ruled out who that man actually was. And it really was just another tourist that was carrying his daughter home. Like the whole thing was just like exploded. And it's like this Jane has lied the whole time. I mean, yeah, she probably seen the man walking by with the little girl, but it was the tourist. Like... They had a ske the sketch that she had them draw, and then the tourist that came forward, he dressed in the outfit he wore that night for them to take pictures, and side by side, they were identical. He also brought in his daughter's PJs and showed them, and they were not Maddie's PJs. They were his daughter's PJs. His daughter was a little blonde-headed girl, and the even the PJs, it was like a pink, or like a, yeah, I think it was like a pink top maybe, and it had like flowers on like the pants, Everything matched up. Jane's story just went out the window. Like, it wasn't him. It was... It's so weird because it's like they really wanted to corner this Robert and really make it look like it was him. The blame was definitely being pushed onto him. But he was clear of all charge. There was absolutely no proof. He was only helping look for her. He was all over the news as a person who took Madeline McCann. His life was literally ruined during that time. Like, I mean, can you even imagine... And I'm sure there's still people out there that think he did it. I'm not saying he didn't do it because you really never know. She's still gone. But I'm just saying there was a lot of evidence to show that he didn't do it by the man. Like it, it was not him walking by with a little girl. Like they cleared all of that. Like I feel like that would be too much of a coincidence of that other tourist that came forward. But he did end up suing and he did win because there was no evidence to hold him as taking Maddie.
Another family saw a man carrying a small girl from the resort to the water that night. They sketched this man and a lot of people have come into question and I'm not even going to go down the list because we would be here for a while if I talked about all of it. Um, none of it added up. There was no evidence to show that it was any of these people. But strangely enough, some people said it looked just like Jerry and that it could have been him. But the timeline with him checking on the kids and then talking to his friend on the street didn't add up with when they seen this man carrying the little girl. Some think she wandered off on her own afraid. And I feel like wouldn't people have seen her or wouldn't, you know... If she did wander off or something, I feel like she would have been found. But then people think if she did wander off, maybe somebody snatched her then. Others think she accidentally died in the apartment, though. They think that she fell and got hurt and the parents wanted to cover it up because they were in a different country and they were scared. That would explain why the dogs went off to blood and there being a dead body. But... There's also the theory that these parents were both doctors. Um, people think that they may have been giving their kid medication to help them sleep um, while they went to the bar. For one, the twins during the door slamming, people running around frantic, screaming Maddie's name, the police coming through and looking. During that whole time, the twins never budged. They slept all the way through it. So it did kind of make the police think, that's strange. Like, were these kids given something maybe? It also makes you think, since she had told her parents that she cried the night before, maybe they upped her dosage thinking that that would help her sleep better and stay asleep while they were gone. Maybe it went south and, you know, she didn't wake up from it or maybe she had a bad reaction to it and they freaked out. Strangely enough, the Portugal police seemed to think that that was what happened, but they had nothing to really pinpoint it on them. All they really had were these dogs who, you know, were smelling a body on all these things in their car, too. Which, to me, that's just, like, mind-blowing. I don't understand why. Uh, it's just, it's so hard to hear stuff like that and to not think that there was something more there. And especially with how the McCanns acted with the dogs, they would go on shows and be really snappy and stuff like that. And when the cadaver dogs were even mentioned whatsoever... Um, they'd be like, you know, well, what do you think of that since the cadaver dogs had went off and they would be like, why don't you ask the dog? And I mean, they were just constantly just nasty about it and saying how the dogs weren't reliable and I mean, all kinds of stuff. And a lot of people have stated it, but I mean, dogs are not going to lie to you when they smell something like that. And these two dogs were... Everybody has went on and on about how highly trained these two dogs were. It blows my mind. But to think that their daughter may have had like an overdose from the medication her parents might. I'm not saying they did. This is all just theories and not even for myself, from a lot of other people. But if theoretically that happened, that would make sense on how the dogs, you know, alerted. And if Maddie was hidden somewhere and then later placed in the rental car to go when everything was kind of settled to place her somewhere else, it kind of makes sense. They had the time because the dogs didn't even come for almost three weeks. If, the, if that had came out 
and they were honest about it, they could have lost their medical license. They wouldn't, I mean, they would be out of work. Um, they could have possibly lost their other two kids and maybe even jail time. And they were in Portugal in another country. So they're probably like, and you know, they were not in the UK. So it's like, what would happen? I'm sure they freaked out and you know, but still, if they had something to do with it, it still makes me question why was she never found? Why was a body never found? I, I don't understand it. I'll never be able to understand it. And it's like now what would be there to really find, uh, to really pinpoint it. I mean, I know that if they found remains, they could identify it as her, but it's just so, it's so sad. That's kind of where I'm at with this. Um, I mainly am going theoretically. I don't want anybody to come for me because I like to state what I think happened. I mean, obviously, I'm with most people in thinking that the parents knew something more than what they're leading on. It just does not make sense. I think these dogs are smarter than um, what these parents seem to think, too. Um, and I'm really infuriated by this case, so that kind of makes me lean more towards the parents. But... It is hard for me to believe that it was them too, because again, why wouldn't she be found if, I mean, they're in Portugal, would they really know where to even hide her at? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's such a tough one and everybody has their own theory on it. If you have a theory or you know of a really popular theory that I didn't mention, please let me know. Um, on my Instagram at Caffeine Crime Podcast, so I can add it to the blog. I would love to know your thoughts too. You can go over to that Instagram and comment on today's episode post and let me know what you think happened to Madeline McCann. Um, this is said to be the most heavily reported missing person case in modern history, and it's crazy. This year, Madeline would be turning 17 years old, like my sister and like my brother, and it's just, it's devastating can't believe this case has went on so long. Since it's one of those cases where you just never know, um, it's kind of, to me, like the um, John Binet case, to where it's hard for me to fill for them because evidence just never cleared. I, I feel like it just never really cleared them completely, yet life just kind of went on. I don't know. My heart does go out to her twin siblings who probably don't even remember her because they were so little and now all they have is just pictures. Let me know, like I said, what you guys think. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was probably a longer one because it, there's so much detail. Um, but yeah, I will add anything that I missed over my blog as well as pictures and, you know, different things like that there. That's always down below in the description. And yeah, I would love to discuss this, please. I'm, I'm not trying to step on any toes or say this happened or this happened. Again, I'm just wanting to discuss these cases, not really um, have anybody come at me. <laughs> so yeah, there is a lot of documentaries on this case if you want to dive even deeper because there's other theories, there's other people that were sort of involved that they thought could have been a person of interest. There's all kinds of different things out there and I mean... At this time, people just have to pick and choose what they think happened because we may never know. Thank you guys for watching or listening to today's episode. I appreciate it. Let me know what you think over at Caffeine and Crime Podcast, and I will see you guys next week with episode eight.